0: Listeners, how you feeling today? It's Dennis Wisco, your host of Wisco Weekly. What was once a venting tool for dissatisfied customers has now become insights for businesses to make informed decisions on how they can continue to stay profitable. Ratings and reviews are a social media tool that has evolved over the last 20 years. In this episode, we hear from the General Manager of the Worldwide Automotive Division at Reputation.com, Mr. Ali Fawaz. In his position, he has access to an ocean of online data that helps businesses interpret their online reputation. If you're like me, one of the things you probably ask yourself as you're perusing Google is, well, what's the difference between a 4.6 rating and a 4.7 rating? To the average consumer, it probably doesn't translate into much, but for a business, there are some profound things to learn about your customers based off one-tenth of a decimal point. Stay tuned to hear more about this and to how to better manage your online reputation. Before we get into today's episode, Listeners, I want to thank the media partners of Wisco Weekly, Comotion Miami, and Automotive Mastermind. It's easy for me to bring on these media partners and to not only show my appreciation for their support of the show, but it's also nice that I'm just in general a fan of their business models. And so thank you to Comotion Miami and to Automotive Mastermind for their support of wisco weekly you can learn more about CoMotion miami by visiting wiscoweeklypod.com slash commotion and you can even if you're interested in attending their miami event at the beginning of april you can get an additional 20 percent off admission by visiting wiscoweeklypod.com slash commotion and getting the discount code there and if you want to learn more about automotive mastermind again visit wiscoweeklypod.com slash mastermind now, let's get into the show.
1: You are now tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience.
0: Mabuhay, bienvenidos, visite, welcome, and welcome to Wisco Weekly, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This is the automotive and mobility podcast that focuses on the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. I'm your host, Dennis Wisco, and I'm recording at the Las Vegas Convention Center at the National Automobile Dealers Association. Takes place every year. This year it happens to be in Las Vegas, which is obviously a very popular spot for a lot of the attendees here. Uh, Certainly one of the things that I'm starting to see come out of this show, and, and it's only because of my primary focus in looking at what the immediate future of the automotive and mobility ecosystem looks like. And so I've been uh, attending a lot of the regulatory educational sessions. So stay tuned to hear more about uh, all the regulations that will face the automotive retailing ecosystem, the mobility ecosystem, and all that, and, and how it all converge because it is converging. There's no doubt about that. And you'll I'm sure we'll start to hear more about that. On today's episode, we feature the general manager and senior director of the worldwide automotive division at reputation.com. Reputation.com is a business-to-business online reputation management and customer experience management company headquartered in Redwood City, California. The company was founded in 2006 by Michael Furtick. And just as a quick, Going off the script a little bit here in researching Mr. Furtik, he is quite the interesting guy. And interesting can be in quotations, italicized, bold, underline, however you want to describe it. He's quite eccentric. He's you could tell he's opinionated. He's obviously a demonstrated entrepreneur. He definitely is a you know a qualified individual to contribute to the global economy and i say that because while i probably wouldn't want to get into a geopolitical discussion with him he definitely uh has some interest in in israel and i know that in general there's a lot of investments that are actually flowing into israel on on a lot of companies that are developing some products Let's get back to my guest. My guest has been involved in marketing and communication for the last 20 years. He's worked at startups like careerbuilder.com. For those of you who remember that web service, I certainly do. And he's also spent a good number of years learning, operating, and being challenged at an automaker's digital marketing arm. Take, take a listen to this, from 2012 to 2018, my guest worked at the dire- at, as the director of digital retail products at Ford Direct. Ford Direct, for those of you who do not know, is the digital marketing arm of Ford Motor Company. And they handle all things from certified, wen- uh, certified vendor programs to actual customer acquisition strategies. And so my guest was the director of re- digital retail products for this particular division. Here, to share business insights on reputation management, Men, women, and children, please welcome to the show a proud Wolverine from the University of Michigan, Mr. Ali Fawah. Well,
2: oh, thank you so much for that warm welcome, amazing welcome. Thank you so much for having me here today,
0: Ali. I'm obviously we've seen each other uh, at previous automotive type events, and certainly it is a privilege for me to finally sit across from you to hear. All the insights of you and your you know in general your entire career and how that now is culminating with the work that you're doing at reputation.com uh before we actually get started
2: uh how can people follow you linkedin's probably the best way to follow me yeah okay find me on linkedin
0: and listeners all puts uh his uh, linkedin information on the episode page so be sure to check that out uh well ali there's you know let's Let's just kind of digress a little bit before we get into online reputation management, because certainly you can't talk about the company without associating it with its founder. And obviously you heard me speak about my description, although probably I would say somewhat accurate, but very just like baseline, very elementary. I'm actually very curious though, how is the founder, even though he's not involved in the day-to-day responsibilities, he's still involved with the company. I'm just curious, how he still influences the company now. And I guess, you know, for listeners, that would certainly tell you where the company is going to be going in the near future as well.
2: Sure, yeah, great question. I mean, when you described uh, uh, our founder, you know, some things that you had mentioned uh, about uh, eccentricity and and so on, when you think about a lot of the uh, leaders uh, and great minds of, uh, of our times in the technology space, we think of the Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and, and the lens in which that they look at things has often been very unique, very creative, right? And, and that creativity is something that I think is, uh, is ingrained and is essential to Reputation.com uh, in the sense that you know, where, where ideas come from, how they're generated, what solutions we're actually coming to market with to dealers, we try not to limit the scope of where these ideas come from uh, and so an idea can come from anywhere it's it's all about creativity and at the end of the day that creativity to help improve the dealer's uh you know customer journey or the uh the uh, the experience that they're giving to consumers at the end of the day
0: yeah the the idea of reputation management or online reputation management that he that mr furtick initially conceptualized it, it is i mean you could still say it's an idea right and certainly as part of what he's had to do and figure out is that do i want to keep this as an idea that does take on its own form outside of me and my control and my ability to monetize this or do i just let it go and and you know try to find my space in online reputation management and it seems like he's done the former Giving trust to the fact that look, online reputation management is going to be a thing. I happen to be in the early stages of it, and obviously, it the risk paid off very well for him. Um, he's now he has his own venture capital firm, Heroic Ventures, and again, it seems like uh, he's doing a lot of things now to influence the next generation, the the immediate future of automotive and mobility. Now this does take us then to if we start to get a bit granular on reputation management, I think first off it would be very key that we get on the same page to understand the history of reputation and online reputation specifically as it uh, specifically as it entails two key elements: ratings and reviews. And I can certainly remember twenty years ago when. You know it, it was usually always google google was always the first one but you know with google it was like okay we you know businesses need to get their rating they need to get a rating they need to get a review and businesses did not put a whole lot of emphasis on it and eventually became an outlet for customers just to bitch and complain about an experience and so then as a way to combat that you then had businesses who are being more proactive trying to get more of their customers to supply five star reviews uh five star ratings and supply good reviews you know if we're talking mid 2000s 2005 ish and ali correct me if i'm wrong here but you know now we're there's an area there that there was gaming of the system going on where fake reviews were coming into place yeah um, now it almost seems like the this this reputation that businesses have are getting down to the decimal point to the tenth or to the hundredth of a decimal point. Maybe tell us where where are we at right now with ratings and reviews yeah
2: I mean that, that's a that's a big question right to, to unpackage if you will. I, I think it started out with the history of of uh, reviews and how it's evolved over time and and really if we we want to get back to the history of reviews uh, at its core reviews are a form of social media right and and so uh, when we talk about reputation management and review generation it's an extension of uh, social engagement that bi-directional communication uh, that that occurs through social media and in the early days of social media it, you know I, I, I in my humble opinion I believe social media began with AOL instant messenger if you will oh and yeah having absolutely AOL, you know those different chat groups and so on so those that was the first rooms. form you
0: remember those oh those chat rooms I yeah. think I was like uh Oh, I, I think it was like what an eighth grade or so, and I I thought there was something also inherently wrong to be an eighth grader in these chat rooms where you do have adults having conversations, and but then you had what, what were what was that thing where you had like um, you had almost those bots that would create those you know emojis kind of thing. Do you remember that in the chat rooms? Yes, I
2: do remember. They, they'd create little pictures. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, you're bringing me back now. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, uh, you were saying. Yeah, so, so I mean, those that was the, the spark of social media. Which nobody knew what it was. And, and then I think blogs started coming about. And of course, later on you had MySpace and, and now of course you've got the Facebooks and the Instagrams and and so on, Snapchat. But you know, to some extent, we didn't really always think of reviews as social media. Um, and slowly that concept came about that, okay, no, reviews are another form of bi-directional communication. It is actually a peer-to-peer uh, exchange of ideas in a social platform that's out there. And uh, in the early days of that, you know, we we've started identifying that people are actually have a microphone, if you will, right? Or uh-huh. they have a, a means to amplify their message, whether good or bad, about your dealership. And I think the initial reactions were, oh, wow, this is a, an avenue, as, as you said, for people to bitch about my dealership. And, and it was seen immediately as a negative thing uh, for not just for dealers, I think in retail space in general, um, you know, how do you handle this? And, and it was the wild west and there was a lot of thought around, well, no, you just ignore them or no, no, you have to defend yourself. And so therefore, you know, dealers might get combative uh, with customers online and then quickly you'd see how a uh, conversation might go viral. And that's not the kind of negative publicity you want going viral about your dealership. So there suddenly became this idea that what do we need to do here? We need to be educated. How do we manage this? What do we do? I, I can
0: recall a dealership in uh, Huntington Beach. I, we, uh, I did a previous episode on this. This is almost about a year and a half ago or so. And it was so interesting. To, to watch and read a fight happen between a dealer and a customer, as if, as if ha- engaging in that fight was going to be some sort of moral victory for the dealer that, yep. hey, customers, look, I'm engaging you know, with the customer who's writing a bad review, I'm correcting what they're saying, and I'm, I'm, and I'm correcting them to the point of telling that person that you are wrong. And it, it baffles me that that was displayed online. And I'm,
2: I mean, you tell me, does that still happen in 2020? Uh, unfortunately, there are still cases where that happens. It's much, much fewer, and it's on much granular scale than what we saw in the early days, you know, of the review space. Um, it, it was, you know, something that used to be a huge problem in today's world. Um, auto, in fact are probably one of the most advanced when it comes to online reputation management or even the digital space in general. Um, and it's a common misconception that, you know, dealerships just have a bad reputation because people don't like to buy cars and the salesperson and uh, the experience that you have when you go to a dealership. So there's this misconception that, you know, oh, well, auto is going to automatically have bad reviews and they're not going to know how to manage the, you know this process. But I think because of the early days, and Auto being one of the first uh, to, to come across the challenges of these customers who are you know, bad-mouthing them. Well, yeah, sure, maybe it was rocky in the beginning, but they quickly learned, okay, we're the ones who are setting the trend or going viral first with these problems. How do we fix these problems? So they were also the first to figure out, how do we fix these? So through challenges come opportunities and that's what Auto found.
0: That's, that's actually very insightful to hear because that was one thing in the reputation report report card what's the official name for it uh
2: the automotive reputation report
0: automotive reputation report in 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 at least the 2019 uh that i've seen and i know that we'll get to some of the 2020 findings but in 2019 you have auto dealers as ranked at the very top of the list for their reputation score the reputation score is defined by reputation.com so listeners you can learn more about how they grade that on the episode page i'll 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 put a link to some of these uh, to the information on this reputation port- report but Auto dealers are ranked at the very top with a 607 score. Hospitality, which I presume this is like the restaurant kind of industry, yeah? Yeah. So they're slightly below that at 605, which makes sense then because as you're talking about how the disgruntled customer is really the one that would provide the review or is motivated to provide the review, it was then a service-based industry like restaurants, like hospitality, auto dealers, who are the first to start to come back and respond. And albeit they, You know they had to learn sometimes the hard way but they were the ones to really um challenge it head on as opposed to at the kind of lower at the bottom of this spectrum healthcare for instance and finance those are two particular industries that have a lower reputation score so just to give some context of when you're, you know, when Ali is suggesting here that auto dealers have been, you know, are ranked amongst the highest of industries in terms of the reputation score. So yeah, there's
2: a lot on the line, right? And, and you, would uh, you know, talk about how as time has evolved now, um, I think you'd mentioned that, you know, the difference between a 4.5 star and a 4.6 star, right? And really, what what is the difference? You know, when, when you think about it, if I'm a consumer and I'm looking at, we only got one through five and I'm looking at one point or sorry 4.5 and 4.6 really there is not much of a difference yeah. if you look at that and, and that's part of what reputation.com uh, has been able to uh, help the, the retail industry the auto industry you know define further to figure out well based on this there's a reputation score and so our reputation score is it's a point system it's kind of like a credit score if you will zero to a thousand points mm. and through this we're able to identify through sentiment analysis of reviews um, that we're collecting from various sites, whether it's Google or Facebook, or we're collecting it from cars.com, Edmunds, Dealer, Rater, and we're aggregating it all in one place. And then through, we've been doing machine learning for almost 10 years now, um, we're able to take the sentiment from all that information. So rather than just focusing on, well, 4.5 versus 4.6, that doesn't say much, but it's actually in the in the written copy that we're able to deduce what's really being said here. And now we can break that down at its core through the sentiment analysis and identify what is the common theme or the common thread for this dealership? Why are they earning that average star rating there? Or better yet, why are they earning a 750 score compared to a 500 score? Well, and and I think what What it seems like you guys
0: have created was, is is the fact that the rating system is really more consumer facing. The reputation score is now more business facing or it's more, you know, business insights. Uh, You mentioned sentiment analysis. Uh, Can you maybe go into that a little bit deeper? Like what does that mean? What does that entail?
2: Yeah, a great question. And and when we think about the copy that's written in a review, um, there's different weighting that goes into a, a review uh, that uh, our platform's able to identify or, or create through the algorithm. And it's based upon things like if somebody writes a review and maybe it's a paragraph long, explaining their experience in detail, and perhaps it was a negative experience. They wrote a, a paragraph on it and they gave it a one-star review. Compare that with a, another review that was written that's a uh, perhaps a one-star review and it's only three words, you know, had a bad experience. Mm. Okay, well, that doesn't tell me as much. And if I'm a consumer reading through these, I'm probably gonna levitate towards the review that's a paragraph long, because now it has more meat, more substance to it, that I could understand exactly what the experience was that this customer or this consumer had at the dealership. Based on that information, I have enough to know, okay, this might not be the dealership where I want to experience. And I'm probably gonna skip over the other review, which is just very short and brief. So we're taking that, to the next level and now breaking down that paragraph to say okay now we're able to find different nuggets of information that help us identify what the problem was within the dealership so let's go back to the example of a 4.5 star and 4.6 star very close um very hard to define well what's the difference between the two then when we start breaking down the sentiment analysis so that now we're looking at the copy that's being written a- across both of them and you and then we also look and compare well in this copy, we're identifying, well, this dealership that has the 4.6 uh, average perhaps has a, a common theme or thread that's happening across those reviews in the last six months where uh, 10 negative reviews came in about the uh, waiting area for service that wasn't clean, the cleanliness was horrible, it wasn't mopped, there was no coffee, um, and uh, the, the overall look of that uh, waiting area was just poor in general. Mm. and. When we read those and we find that we've identified in the last six months, 10 of those kind of reviews, now we're able to do some find, okay, here's some some additional information on this dealership and what the experience actually is. Um, on the other side, we can see a dealership that perhaps has uh, the, the 4.5 star, again, very close, but now we're able to say, rather than just saying, well, they're very close, then, you know, they're both right. the, what's same the difference? What's right. what's the difference? Well, this dealership we've identified here that you know, there was maybe there was still a negative review some somewhere, but the negative review common theme or thread there is that uh, in the last six months, they've had about eight reviews that talked about them, their customers coming in for service and being told that oil change is going to take about 35 to 45 minutes when, in fact, they didn't get out of there for three and a half hours. Mm. And so now we're, at, we're able to actually make, create uh, opportunities for the dealerships to identify what the problem is so they can rectify and resolve those problems at the dealership how
0: how, how responsive is the score back to the businesses so for instance uh, you know you had mentioned that obviously you're you're employing things like machine learning in analyzing the the copy of these reviews to then assess at the end of the day what that reputation score is so let's just say this is right after memorial weekend Usually, there's a lot of sales that happen that weekend. There's a lot of service. How quickly can you respond back to a business that says, Hey, look, just to let you know, dealer X, Wisco dealership, that the few days prior to Memorial Weekend and after Memorial Weekend, you did generate about 10 negative reviews, which that's a lot for a business in a short amount of time. You generated 10 negative reviews, in which Again, you need to be mindful of it. You need to do something immediately about to you know to address those things. How quickly can you get back that information to a business so that they can you know turn on their emergency care system now?
2: Our reputation score actually updates on a daily basis. Okay, right? so it is very fresh. So if over the course of twenty four hours, you received three negative reviews that will directly impact your reputation score when you come in the next day. Mm. Um, and in fact, we, we are just rolling out our reputation score uh, 10, which goes to the next level in, in helping the dealers uh, identify how to operationalize and fix what's happening that's actually directly impacting their reputation score. So rather than just telling a dealership, well, your score is a, a 600 right now, and you wanna be at least at a 700 or 750. Well, how do I get there? And typically we have thermometers to help them identify where are they lacking. So mm. what goes into the reputation score? It's things like visibility, All right. Well, what does visibility mean? It means that reviews that are being generated and published on certain sites generate a little bit more visibility, right? So having reviews on Google is gonna be weighted a little bit more than looking at a review maybe that's on, uh, on car CarGurus. Even though car is still important, people go there no, and people are reading No, it's let's them. be real. however
0: we're looking at Google so what would be the top two maybe three because right as a consumer yeah as a consumer consumers obviously Google overwhelmingly is the number one right
2: Yelp maybe number two depending on region no I'd say if I were to rank them in in my opinion okay it's it would be Google the number spot uh, because they are Simply the thousand pound gorilla
1: in the mm-hmm, room, right?
2: Mm-hmm. They, they are the dominant party when it comes to reviews. Uh, number two, I'd say probably Facebook. Um, mm, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, And then you're getting into the the, the tail end sites, right? Then, yep. you, then you've got the, in auto specifically, it's the uh, cars.com, Edmonds. Uh, auto Trader, I think, auto, too. Um, does Auto Trader have one? Uh, auto Trader does it on, on their on their own platform, right, but essentially, right. cars.com, uh, Edmonds, uh, mm-hmm. Dealer Raider and so on like that and mm-hmm. so th- those still do matter because we know that consumers aren't just going to one place and they are auto shoppers are going to those other third-party sites and when they're there the fact that they're actually displaying star ratings there it will impact now it doesn't mean that it's going to be the most important place google is by far the one who's driving the most engagements and traffic and in fact what we're we've identified now that dealers need to be extremely aware of is that the new digital front door is in fact, Google. It's not the dealership's website. And unfortunately in our space, we have focused so heavily on dealership websites and uh, tracking the engagements that are happening there and the traffic that's going there and monitoring that and what's happening to my customer when they get there that we've completely neglected or forgotten to consider the journey that gets them to the website. And in fact, Google has done so much now to make sure that they're involved in that step uh, because they know a consumer who's actually looking and shopping for a dealership they're doing oftentimes what's called a near me search now this near me search is essentially I'm saying I'm looking for service near me dealerships I'm for dealership near, near me, me. Yeah. Hyundai lease special near me and now google being who they are they're in the business of making the experience as simple and convenient as possible and giving the best results to the consumer right to the end user who's doing this uh, We'll call it uh, research, right? So it's search, which is research. So in my research process, I wanna make sure I have the best information. So Google's in the business of giving you the best information. Well, that means they're doing their homework and they're identifying based on the reviews that we've collected. We know these are the top dealers because they're getting the most reviews and the sentiment on the reviews are the highest. So meaning that they have the highest Mm -hmm. star ratings. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that tend to populate higher in the, what they call the local pack, right? When you do a near me search, you get a local pack. And that local pack is extremely important because it's got very limited retail, uh, uh, very limited space. It's essentially three, sometimes four spots in there. And we all know nobody goes to the second page of Google. So how do you, <laughs> how, how do you truth. Get, yeah. Hashtag truth. <laughs> so how do you get to be in those top four spots? Well, the data that we've seen, that we've collected, we know is that it's the volume of reviews, the quality of reviews, the star ratings that you've got there, Um, And are you actually engaging back? Google does look at that. If you're not engaging back with your consumers and responding to them, well, they look at it like, well, that means you're not serving up a great experience for these customers. So I'd rather put the dealership that actually has a a tradition of engaging back because that means they're gonna give a better experience. And if you're giving the customer a better experience during this research process, that's who I want to give up. Well, you've also
0: given Google a good experience, which to the customer then, to the website visitor, that's a good experience, which they can associate that through the entire chain,
2: Google down to the dealership. You hit it right on the head. That's exactly it. But it doesn't stop at reviews either, right? Because that knowledge panel that appears when somebody does that search. Um, so the knowledge panel is often it's on the right hand side mm-hmm. and you'll see the pictures up at the top. Well, you got to make sure. Do you have pictures there? If you that's a good don't, point. Google's gonna ding you, they're gonna say, well, this is not a good customer experience, no pictures there, we might not rank you as uh, one of the top three. Oh, you don't have your hours of operation completed in there? We're gonna ding you. There's no links to your website, there's no click to call button, because we know that most people, when they perform search today, they're doing it on a mobile device, right? And in fact, the number one way that people are searching on their mobile device is actually through Google Maps. Mm -hmm. People use Mm -hmm. Google Maps nowadays to do that near me search because oftentimes they're hopping in their car, dealer near me or service near me, and what they're doing is serving up the click to call, and oftentimes that's all they need to know is the hours of operation, the uh, button to click real quick because I'm driving, uh, and I need to have a very seamless and fast experience, and so those are the things that uh, that that you need to focus on to make sure that you're a being found because to get found you need to make sure you're you're you're, you're you know, your business listings, your Google My Business is is uh, actually uh, displayed, and your reviews are are high. Um, and then, because your reviews are high, you're probably going to get chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, hopefully, what you could do is uh, eventually, once the customer comes in, has an experience at the dealership, you're surveying that customer so that way you can identify if you, they had a problem. You can get better for the future.
0: So, Google is it is a Google Localist or what was the proper name? Google My Business listing. Yeah, GMB, Google My Business. Google My Business, and it. Uh, for, for listeners who still haven't dove into that realm quite deep, I presume there's no added cost to all the features you're talking about a click to call button, all this stuff. There's no cost, right? It's just no. the legwork to do it. It's the
2: legwork that's involved to go in there and, and do it. It's, it's just, it, it takes a little bit of time. And it uh, also has to continuously be updated because if you're not aware, a consumer who comes into your dealership, a customer comes in, they had an experience at your dealership, they leave. Google may sometimes actually ask them, hey, were you just at this dealership? Are these the correct hours at the dealership? And that customer mm. can actually respond and say, no, they're actually closed on Sunday, mm. when in fact they are open on Sunday. Mm. Um, so that will be changed because a customer said so. Ali, when I hear you talk about
0: ratings and reviews and where it started with customers supplying the negative reviews the dealers and businesses in general trying to counteract those negatives review. Now we're almost at the polar opposite end of the spectrum where all the reviews are positive that we're trying to different, differentiate between a decimal point system now, is not the idea of a strong you know, a strong strategy in and a, and a thoughtful and a, and a thoughtful way forward of looking at your rep- online reputation. Because what it's doing, it's changing behaviors. It's changing behaviors
2: of the customer. Is it not? It, does it change the behavior of the customer? It, it, it changes the behavior of all parties involved. Right. Right. Uh, so not only is it changing the behavior of the customer, it depends on um, the, the customer's perspective of why they're writing this review. Right. Some some might be leaving a review because they like to see their content published. Right. And they want to see how many other people they can help. That's their objective perhaps when they're leaving a review that's uh, a survey that's not necessarily a social review but a survey well the intent here is I'm writing this because I want to genuinely help this dealership improve their customer experience and now I'm writing it with a different intent and so maybe the the common theme of how I'm writing this or the the approach and in, in the language that I use is different because the outcome is what I, I want is to achieve is different than the social review.
0: Exactly, and so therefore you get to the point where all of a sudden that same person that wrote that review hopefully sees that change implemented, which again, that told the business that, look, I have to, you know, there's not just this one review, there's a few reviews and I've had them over a couple of period, you know, there's been a couple of years that have passed that they're saying the same thing, maybe I need to do this. Behaviors are changed through this rating and and review system, which is again, why it's of great importance to focus on an online reputation uh, for individuals and businesses. And we can even see this through LinkedIn and how popular LinkedIn has gotten over the last few years. I I don't know how long you've been on LinkedIn, but I've been on LinkedIn for probably a little over, probably 10 years. And yeah, it was one of those things I signed up you know i signed up and then never touched it for a while and then all of a sudden over the last couple of years now I'm, I'm definitely more active and i can see that there's just a surge of activity that's on linkedin that was never there before and all of that is really a lot of users on linkedin wanting to develop their reputation online
2: sure yeah I, I, and and you know i guess diving further into um how reviews are actually changing uh, the the industry as a whole, it's, it's really actually helping move the needle and improve. Yep. And in some ways you might think, well, okay, is a player like Google actually making or breaking dealerships and, and you know acting as kingmaker? Right? In, in fact, we know that there are dealer groups out there, large dealer groups that in fact use our reputation score to make decisions on what retail dealerships they should buy next based on mm-hmm. their reputation score. They'll look at that and say, how much improvement does this location need? And that's a factor that goes into whether or not that dealer will actually buy that dealership. Now, when those reviews are coming in as well, the dealerships that are really focused on the, their, their reputation and their reviews and their reputation score, they're looking at these things and saying, how do we improve this? Great, let's look at the sentiment analysis. This is a common theme. Here's where we need help. Let's operationalize this and let's fix this problem. And so now we can get better, right? So that's the third component is, is getting better and improving the experience for the next customer who comes around. Um, And and so it is truly improving customer experiences all across. And and what we're seeing is the change that's happening in the industry has been traditionally third-party reviews or those social reviews were looked at as, well, that's not really scientific data. Well, why is it not scientific data, right? Because it's not in one place? Okay we come along and we bring it and put it all into one place and we put sentiment analysis across it, we put a scoring mechanism on it. So now we can actually take this data that is in the wild, as we call it, right? This unstructured data, we put some structure and formality to it. And now what we're hearing from the dealers is, wow, these reviews, in fact, are probably more important than these diagnostic surveys or these surveys that you know, that, that uh, the OEMs have been doing for a long time, because this is what's actually impacting the decision for a customer to actually come to right. my dealership, right? So Google is serving you up and where you're ranking. And if the customer decides that's where I'm going to go and, and actually uh, engage with the dealership versus these surveys that are on the back end, nobody ever sees them. Um, it's not necessarily impacting the direct traffic that a customers getting. Now, that's not to say that they're not important. What I'm getting at is that both these worlds of reviews and customer experience, the CX world, are converging upon each other. Is
0: there something that you're seeing with the data specifically, like specific metrics that are trending in a manner that's like, hey, look, um, businesses, if you're not taking care of one, two or three, this is where you can see the most success. And, And similarly, if we can tell that based on these metrics that if you're not taking care of one, two, three immediately in the next week, next month, you're you're not going to have a good reputation score. Are there are there things that you can maybe break down for us on a metric level that we can give some more insightful?
2: Um, so I, I can, I, you know, I, I guess at a high level, give you an idea. Uh, there are certain areas that you need to focus on first. Okay. We call it the the basic blocking and tackling. Okay. And to me, basic blocking and tackling where you want to start, it's your uh, business listings information. Okay, If you're not managing this across the plethora of sites that exist out there to make sure that there's consistency with your uh, name, address, phone number, um, and make sure that your hours of operation are, are accurate, um, that's where you're gonna see a direct impact on your reputation score and, and on the traffic that's actually getting to your dealership or the clicks to call that you're getting to your dealership or in fact, even the clicks for driving directions to your dealership. So those actions that you're seeing there like that, those are low funnel. That's extremely low funnel. Um, and low funnel,
0: but like, don't downplay this either. A click to call is a big thing. That's, that's a lead. That's a
2: lead. That's a conversion. That's a converted lead. Yeah, and and that's being tracked by Google. In fact, we actually display that back to you, so you can see how much you're actually getting there. And that all stems from, you know, part of it is your business listings. How accurate is it? How robust is it? And is there consistency across different uh, uh, different platforms? Google does look at the consistency across the board. So. That's one of the key components, and in fact, Google uh, has been uh, using the, the, this term. Actually, I've heard it from Google, where it's the uh, no-click phenomenon, right? And okay. what that simply means is, the customer got to the knowledge panel, and they saw the star ratings, they see the uh, information that they need, which was, oh, looks like they are open today. They're open till six o'clock. I just need driving directions. Click one button. Now I've got my uh, uh, my map navigation uh, plugged into my car, and I'm going to drive there. Now. That means they didn't click to go to the dealership's website. right? And so that's the no-click phenomenon, and that's growing. In fact, we know that there's a, a decrease in tier one, tier three traffic, um, and, and traffic to deal three, uh, tier three websites is, is on the decline. Part of it is what Google is doing is because they've identified, listen, you don't, as a consumer, all you need is the hours of operation, all you, all you need is a phone number, well, then you don't need to get lost on a dealership's website. We're going to serve it up to you right here. So you don't need to get lost in there. Great. That's exactly what I needed. And so that's why we're seeing a little bit less traffic going to dealership websites. This, this no click phenomenon.
0: Yeah. Tell me. So at NADA, you guys have are doing a mid-year update of the 20 of the automotive reputation report. This is, again, a mid-year update. The first one that came out or the 2019 came out in August ish. Yeah. Yep. yep. And so uh, now in February there's a mid-year update what are you finding in this mid-year update about the reputation score now that you guys have deployed?
2: Um, yeah so with the mid-year update you know the, the idea here is to uh, allow the OEMs and the dealers to kind of keep a keep a finger on the pulse of where they stand and what's happening what the trends are you know there, there tends to be some consistency there't huge movements of like you know 10 spots uh, movement from from a from one brand. Being down at the bottom, suddenly they're way up at the top. Um, there, there are subtle movements, but we're we're seeing a, a few uh, few movements at this point. You know, with the number one spot uh, in the report in August, uh, right now at the top, at top well, it was Lexus. In this uh, the, this mid-year uh, kind of there's touch point, uh, just to give the brands an idea of where they stand right now before our big in-depth big report, detail, yeah, comes out in, in, in August. Uh, we found that uh, lexus dropped down to the number two spot and nissan jumped up into the number one spot nissan is number one nissan in customer uh sentiment and and reputation score jumped up into uh, that number one spot right now wow for
0: all that has been going on with nissan and not just the the carlos situation in general uh, you know, Nissan just hasn't been innovating as much as other manufacturers have, and I know they're taking a hit for it. Their Infinity brand has definitely taken a hit for it. But knowing the fact that uh, at least in perhaps this time of them trying to focus on the customer, if they are indeed putting their efforts around their reputation their online reputation, then obviously that's what you guys are seeing. That's shocking.
2: Yeah, and it, it, it's, a, it's a different measure, right? We're, we're looking at, well, what's the customer experience when they walk into the dealership, and when they service their vehicle? And we know that most reviews, in fact, probably around 70% of reviews are service related because that's where most of the traffic comes into a dealership. More often than not, it's somebody coming in for a service experience. Um, and so it, it's how they interact and what kind of strategy does Nissan actually have to deploy and engage and make sure the dealers are are well-educated and trained enough to be able to engage with their consumers and that customer experience and providing the best experience there possible. Uh, on the lower end, we've seen, uh, you know, we, we've seen other brands where, you know, still down, down below to- towards the bottom. They're looking for some help in, in, in improving. Um, I believe Mitsubishi uh, is down uh, towards the bottom, but again, looking for ways to improve. I think they actually went up a couple of notches up uh, as well. Tesla is one that's really interesting because they are down at the bottom, and in, in, in fact, it's you know, when I think when we look at it, and you consider it, it probably makes sense only because uh, the Tesla model doesn't uh, lend itself to the franchise model, kind of the small mom and pop shop. Because at the end of the day, an auto dealership is really it's, it's a family-owned business, oftentimes, right? And uh, you have a dealer principal at the de- at the dealership that is uh, engaging and making sure that the customer is being taken care of. Um, unfortunately with Tesla, they don't necessarily have a model like that. And so reviews are not an important piece, so they don't have a mechanism where, or a strategy where they've deployed for their retail dealers, sorry, they don't have retail for their, for their, for right? for their stores to actually survey a customer, ask the customer what their experience is like, and then publish those to a third party review site. So naturally they're going to be sitting at the bottom. But, um, I, and I think that's part of Tesla's, you know. Uh, strategy perhaps right i think they elon musk has come out in the past against social media and, and to prove a point he had shut down all his social media channels at one point just to say i don't need social media and, and so i think that's an extension of what we're seeing on their review strategy as well ali is there anything else that um, you want to touch upon um but no i i think i think uh, this was really uh, uh Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show and, and giving me the opportunity to, uh, to talk to you and to your listeners.
0: Listeners, thanks for tuning in to Wisco Weekly. I will put notes up on the episode page if you want to look at the 2019 uh, automotive reputation report as well as the 2020. Again, you can find uh, Ali on LinkedIn and I'll put his information on the episode page. As we end every episode, oh, before we end actually, I would like to thank uh, Anthony from Boca Communications for helping put this episode together. As we end every episode, cheers, Prost, lachain, Kipis, Nastravi, salut, Kampai, Mabruk, Tutsint, Gambe, Yamas, Nastrovie, and vo to the customer experience.
1: Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode with us. We love having you along on our journey. I'm your co-host, Kelly Cruz, alongside Dennis Wisco. It has been three years, if you can believe it, and there's been a lot of changes over these last few years. One important point to note is that we have two wonderful media partners, Automotive Mastermind and Commotion Miami. Uh, We also have a lot of great new things coming to you through our various social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Five different social media channels all bringing great content to you, and you can see things such as new inspirational thought leaders that we were meeting out at various conferences like the Women in Automotive, cup holder reviews, uh, new cars that are coming to you. We are so happy to have you along, so again, please continue to follow us. Let us know if you have any questions, and we will be back with you soon.